Hello Rebels, you're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, The Gun Show. My guest tonight is British-Israeli activist, journalist, and blogger Brian of London joining me from his home in Tel Aviv. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you will love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to premium content. That's what we call our long-form TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show, as well as other great TV-style shows too, like Ezra's Nightly, Ezra Levant Show, and David Menzies' fun Friday night show, Rebel Roundup. It's only 8 bucks a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for our podcast listeners, you can save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code podcast when you subscribe. Just go to therebel.media slash shows to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Those reviews are a great way to support The Rebel without ever spending a dime. And now, please enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. The Tommy Robinson campaign for MEP, big tech censorship, and how Hamas is continuing to target Israeli citizens. We're talking about a lot tonight. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're watching The Gun Show. I've said it before, and I'm sure I'll say it dozens more times before I finally hang up my reporter badge, that fake news, as we know it today, was perfected against the state of Israel. The tactics of deceptively editing videos, putting women and children up front in war zones, and then painting the aggressors as the innocent little victims have been long used against Israel for decades to make them look heavy-handed when responding to constant violence, rocket attacks, kidnappings, and all other manner of terrorism directed at Israeli citizens by their Islamic extremist neighbors. So instead of going to the fake news in the mainstream media to find out exactly what's happening on the ground in Israel, I like to turn to the people who are on the ground in Israel. And as it turns out, one of my Israeli friends has also had his pro-Israel Facebook page censored because he is an avid supporter of Tommy Robinson. So we obviously have a lot to talk about, don't we? So joining me from his fortified home in Tel Aviv in an interview, we recorded what would have been Tuesday morning for me and Tuesday night for him is my friend, activist, journalist, and blogger, Brian of London. Now from Tel Aviv is my friend Brian of London. Hey Brian, thanks for joining me. We have so much to talk about from the fact that, you know, Israel has been engaged in a bit of a, you know, frankly a war um, over the about the past week to the media treatment of Israel for defending itself um, to Tommy Robinson and the censorship of conservatives. Um, you've been a victim of that. Um, there's a lot to talk about, isn't there? Yeah. Should we start with the war? Because, you know, I mean, wars lead. If it, yes. if it bleeds, it leads. 
Yes, um, yes. And and I tell you what, okay, on a, on a sit, hi, I'm Brian of London, by the way. <laughs> um, and I, Brian of London, and I'll just explain for your audience that don't know me, I am of London, I am not in London. So I moved to Israel about 10 years ago. And I'm sitting here in a bomb shelter in Tel Aviv. Um, and I say when I say a bomb shelter, it's a real bomb shelter because the door behind me is steel. Uh, the window to my left has got a one centimeter thick steel shutter that I can draw across. And for the last week, um, well, for the last few days anyway, we had that steel shutter closed because if an alarm were to go in this area, which fortunately on this occasion it, it hasn't, um, then we would, you know, my family and I would run in here. We have, we'd have about 90 seconds, which is a veritable fortune of time compared to the south of Israel. And we'd have about 90 seconds to get in here. And this room, which is built in the center of the tower block, so it's sort of the core of the building, this room is supposed to be able to withstand, you know, if the building took a direct hit from one of the larger rockets that could get here, this room would be okay, even if the rest of the building was a complete mess. So that's, and that's built into almost all modern Israeli homes. So that leads into why when 700 rockets were shot at us, um, were there only four deaths on our, I think it was four on our side, um, which is terrible. It's a very high number, but it's because of precautions like this room, the alarms that we have, and of course the famous Iron Dome that knocks out some of the missiles on the way. Yeah, and I mean, you say you have 90 seconds to get into your bomb shelter there in Tel Aviv, but when you look at the folks in, for example, Starot or some of the places that are closer to Gaza, they really have, you know, no time at all. The sirens go and they have to run. And I've been in Starot and they've done their best to make it, you know, a growing, thriving community. But every bus shelter is a bomb shelter. The, sure. the playgrounds have the netting over top. Um, to protect the children. I mean, it is really, um, for someone like me, I, I've never been exposed to any of that. Um, it, the conditions in which Israelis have to live um, just to live next door to people who want to wipe them off the face of the earth. I mean, it's it's really, um, to see, I, I guess to put it this way, to see communities like Starot growing and thriving, despite the fact that one kilometer away, people are trying to kill them every single day, I think is a testament to the Israeli spirit. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, I, I've got it. I, I just, maybe I'll hold this up. Maybe this will work. I mean, this is, this is, just a, a sort of a screen. Can we see that? Yes. Yeah. That's what it looks like when when we're under rocket attack. I've got this app on my phone. I don't know what that notification is. Um, I've got this app on my phone that just shows um, each rocket alarm in the south. Now, these were all in the south. And like, as you say, down there, they've got five to 15 seconds if they're lucky. Uh, and they really run. And I mean, you have to run. And the people who were hurt or injured in this current round, you know, they just didn't get to cover in time. Sometimes you can't, you're in a car. One one person was killed in, uh, by an, actually by an anti-tank missile. This is again, this is stuff you are not going to hear in the mainstream media. You will not hear details. You'll hear maybe a headline number. You'll hear this crazy thing of, of exchanging deaths. So they'll always treat deaths on our side and deaths on their side as equivalent. So one person was killed because uh, they were driving on a road that probably, in hindsight, should have been shut. 
um, and it was within sight of Gaza, and they fired an anti-tank missile at the at a civilian car. And that means that that means that somebody in Gaza was holding this anti-tank missile and guiding it towards a civilian car. So that is, you, you know, that's a, that's an absolutely deliberate and total attack on a civilian. And he died in his car. It was a, it's a cornet missile. It's basically a Russian design thing. Um, then it passed into Iran and it gets remanufactured in either Iran or I think they can even remanufacture some parts of that in the Gaza Strip. And, and, and I know this missile because my brother-in-law actually in the Lebanon war in 2006, his unit was hit by one of these missiles and then an Israeli tank responded. So, you know, this is a real weapon of war. This is not homemade. This is not this is not sort of lightweight war. This is full on war against a civilian population. And, and you don't really get those little nuances and details of no, in fact, um, you know, I was reading Israel Hayom today. I'm probably saying that wrong. Israel I'm, it, it means I'm from Israel the prairies. Today, My Hebrew isn't that great. That's fine. <laughs> Hayom, Hayom is today. So Israel Hayom just means Israel today. Very simple. Right. And fine. they're talking about the atrocious coverage in the New York Times. And if you'll remember, the New York Times just days ago or maybe a week ago, I mean, they were responsible for that anti-Semitic cartoon where Israel is the dog that's leading the United States. And then yeah. they publish um, this uh, an article that basically says, um, this is their headline, Gaza militants, this is from a few days, so the, the rocket numbers are a little higher now, um, Gaza militants, militants, they're not calling them terrorists, militants Four. fire 250 rockets and Israel responds with airstrikes as though Israel's being heavy handed defending innocent citizens from 200, like it's, it's more than double that now, but 250 rockets fired at innocent civilians minding their business is yeah. a lot. And you know, the, the, uh, you know, this sort of sentiment here is that Israel has no business being um, absolutely heavy handed in defending their citizens. Um, I've seen some of the drone footage that the IDF uh, Twitter account puts out. They're pretty precise in oh, the people there, there, that they're targeting. To, firstly, yeah. firstly, OK, I'll, I'll just point out some one some details that you can get just by looking at Twitter. Okay, one, mm -hmm. the Gazans, the people in Gaza, they often share videos of buildings being demolished. Yeah. What you'll notice about a lot of those videos is they knew where to point their cameras. How do you know where to point your camera when a bomb is falling? You only know where to point your camera if you've been told where the bomb's going to fall. So a lot of the time we were bombing, again, empty buildings, which is somewhat annoying okay so we took out their cyber hq command and probably blew up some nice gaming machines but i i'm kind of the population here is getting a bit annoyed with with taking out buildings however in this case we also did take out some key people and and there was a video that the idf showed they shared two videos i think one of a, a, a strike on a motorcycle and one of a strike on a car now i've watched this stuff for a long time these were like busy streets and a missile hits a car on a busy street and nobody else is damaged, just the car. If you go Google and look for sort of um, the aftermath of American hellfire hits in Yemen, 
you will find 15 meter craters yeah. where hellfire missiles took out you know a single uh isis pickup or, a, or an al-qaeda pickup so we're obviously using very it's probably the hellfire missile it's probably the same missile but it's very low yield because we know we're trying to take out one motorcycle on a busy street it's unbelievable precision unbelievable i mean i don't think any any army in the history of warfare has ever cared so much and we get no credit for it okay we keep doing it um because i think that's our nature i, I mean we really have no interest in mass slaughter of unarmed civilians because there's just that we have such a, a massive prejudice within ourselves against doing that we will not do it uh you know i mean i see those crowds cheering and shouting and claiming victory you know you want to put a bomb in those but we never do that we absolutely never do that um and yet we're accused of it and i mean the biggest one for us this time around was you know very early on always there's a pregnant mother and a child killed and immediately the world's press take as gospel truth whatever the hamas or the what's called the gaza health ministry which is mm -hmm. actually run by hamas they take whatever they say so their headlines all scream pregnant woman and child killed in israel killed during israeli air raids or whatever it does i mean you know the, the 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 time cycle has come down a little bit but we're absolutely certain now that no israeli activity was happening where this woman died and it sounds like um palestinian islamic jihad is admitting to the fact that it was one of their rockets falling short as always happens because if they shot 600 or 700 that actually made it into Israeli airspace, you can you can guarantee that 50 to 100 fell short and landed in Gaza itself. Yeah, I mean, you look at places like, for example, here in Canada, the CBC or the New York Times or CNN, they're taking the numbers from the Gazan Health Authority, which is a mouthpiece for a U.S.-designated terrorist group they're taking them as a credible source of information about casualties uh, when and they're you not know, even pretending that they, no. there are almost no foreign journalists in gaza it's too dangerous because if they were to report anything that hamas didn't like they would be taken out to the back and at best beaten up and at worst shot so there are no ways to corroborate independently any of the information that they're given and they don't even tell you they do not even say this is the these these are numbers from the Gaza Health Ministry, which has lied and lied and lied, and everything they've ever told us in the past was a lie. They don't say that to you, no. And then and then you know at the bottom of the article maybe they'll put in a uh, you know they'll they'll put in a uh, and the IDF the IDF vehemently denies, and but that'll appear in paragraph thirty eight. Right. <laughs> well, right. Long after you quit which, reading. <laughs> which leads, which, which I must say, leads most of us here in Israel, especially the non-Anglos, especially the ones who are not looking at the foreign press. We just, they just don't care and they don't want us to care. And, and I mean, if anything, there is some, there's always anger that we, maybe we stop too early. But I mean, I've, I've like, to bring it onto the political level, I've, I've gone looking. So the press is all full of, you know, politicians in Gaza saying that that there have been all these concessions and that 
we're going to start opening up the imports and letting them have things that we haven't let them have for a while. But when I actually look, the, the only thing that's been said from the Israeli side, and, and like I'm done with the media now, I'm done with anonymous sources, Prime Minister Netanyahu's remarks on recent events in the South, I will read it in full because it is so short. Over the last two days, we struck Hamas and Islamic Jihad with great force. We hit over 350 targets. We struck at terrorist leaders and operatives, and we destroyed terrorist buildings. The campaign is not over. It demands patience and sagacity. If someone can tell me how to pronounce that, I'll say it differently. Sagacity. We are prepared to continue. The goal has been and remains ensuring quiet and security for the residents of the South. I send condolences to the families and best wishes for recovery to the wounded. That's it. That's what we've said on Israel's side. So, I mean, it's not really a ceasefire as far as I can tell. You know, it's not one of these surrenders. Um, I, you know, I hope that's the case. And the big deal is that, um, and I mean, it's literally, it's three kilometers outside my window. We're going to be holding the Eurovision Song Contest, which I know in North America, you haven't got a clue how big this is. But trust me on this. It's absolutely enormous. It, it, it really is bigger than you imagine. And it's starting next week. But a lot of the but all the competitors, oh, my headphones are causing problems. All the competitors are already in Israel. And so it was a it was a very, very big deal that we didn't have any um, uh, air raid alarms in Tel Aviv while this was ongoing, um, because I think that would have shaken some people up. Uh, but and, and the other the other thing that's happening now is that tonight um, we're going to have we're going to have a siren actually in two hours time, which is going to be the siren to mark the start of our Memorial Day. Uh, this is our Memorial Day for fallen soldiers, those fallen in war and fallen in acts of terror. So unfortunately, we'll be commemorating um, this year. We, we're commemorating, you know, those who were just killed right now in this act. The, you know, by the rockets and so forth. And my 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 own friend, Ari Fuld, who was killed in the previous year. Uh, so this is the first ceremony since he, he was murdered. Um, and we do that for 25 hours, you know, from sun, sundown tonight till sundown tomorrow. And then the day after, we flip into our Independence Day. Uh, I can just keep talking. I know I, I try to leave get leave gaps for you, but the point oh, I is, could listen all day. <laughs> this, this is these two days, uh, Yom Hazikaron, that which is Day of Memory, that's the literal translation, and Yom Hatzma'ut, which is Independence Day. They are linked. You know, we had Yom HaShoah, which was last week, that was the, the memorial for the Holocaust. But Yom Hazikaron and Yom HaShoah, uh, and uh, Yom Hazikaron and Yom Hatzma'ut, Memorial Day for the Fallen. It is so different to the kind of American and even now, you know, the British, um, uh, which is on November the 11th. I presume Canada follows Britain with, yes. you know, Armistice Day on November the 11th. I mean, the whole of the Commonwealth does. It's still solemn, but yeah. we have this, you know, because we have this uh, countrywide siren where, and it's twice on Yom Azikaron. So it'll be at eight o'clock tonight. Everything will stop. Cars will stop on the motorways. Literally stop driving. Wherever you are, you stop, you get out, you stand by your car for two minutes. And then tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock, 
people will gather in uh, all of the cemeteries where military um, are buried. There's a huge cemetery just next to my house, um, one of the biggest in Tel Aviv. And, and, you know, the whole area here becomes completely closed off. You can't get in or out. Uh, and I think tomorrow I'm going to be up actually in Gush Etzion, um, which is the high ground that's yep. just south of Jerusalem, which you've visited, I'm sure. Yes. Um, yep. And Etzion Junction, there's a, a place where we're going to be having a memorial for Ari Fould. Uh, and this was, you know, Gush Etzion is very, I, I tell you, it's a very important place, I think, for Jews, because it's a part of land. It's It was, it had been, Jews had come back there and really built lots of communities and stuff prior to 1948. But in the independence war of 1948, we just couldn't hold it. It was too remote. It was, we couldn't even hold on to all of Jerusalem. So the remote kibbutzim outside of Jerusalem to the south in the hills, we couldn't reinforce. And eventually they were surrounded and overrun by the Jordanian army with the help of the British, um, you know, British supplied, British trained. Uh, and they slaughtered some and they captured some. And that area got turned into what the Jordanians called the West Bank. Um, and it was liberated in 1967. And now there are, you know, large numbers of people living there. And Ari Fuld, my friend, was one of the people who lives up there, who lived up there. And uh, I'll be going to his memorial there. And, and it's a very important place for us to be. Now, I wanted to, you know, you know, it, it's it's so good to hear, you know, like you say, you point out, especially us Commonwealth countries, our um, Remembrance Day celebrations or armistice or whatever the other Commonwealth countries call it, uh, very solemn days. Um, but um, yours leading up to um, your Independence Day, um, I think it's, it's sort of most. It's, yeah, it's peculiar. It is, mm -hmm. I, and it's like, it's not, I, it's not something I ever understood when I didn't live here. Yeah. Because it's this, you know, I, I mean, it's already, it's winding down now. I can hear, I mean, literally I can hear that the traffic is lighter now than it normally is at this time of the evening. Um, the restaurants will be shut tonight. Cinemas will be shut tonight. The television will switch into a somber thing. It will replay documentaries about fallen soldiers and people killed in terrorist attacks. It might well be that the program about my about my friend Kay Wilson, who you know, um, Sheila, because mm -hmm. you've inter interviewed her, um, I, they might be playing her the, the documentary about the attack that that took her friend's life and almost claimed hers. They'll show that on TV. They'll show lots of these, and and it's running. And then one of the channels just shows the name, so it's just a name, you know, name, yeah. name, and it will show all the names going all the way back to 1948 or even before, actually. I think it, it sort of goes back to the, the 20s and so on. So those killed in the Hebron massacre um, before the, the establishment of the State of Israel. It links most definitely what we have, which is this Jewish State of Israel, which is a home, which is a refuge, which is somewhere that Jews all over the world, you know, it, however bad Europe gets, and those some of those Jews might not be grateful for it now, but we're here for them, no matter how much they hate us now and want to BDS us and join J Street and do other crazy things. If they show up at the airport and say, 
we would like refuge, we'll take them. That's what we're here for. Um, and that's linked to the sacrifices of so many who laid down their lives and fought in wars and in acts of terror committed along the way to have what we have. It's very important. Yeah. Changing gears, I don't know how I can segue away from something so poignant, um, but, but uh, let's change gears completely to, um, although I guess we're still talking about freedom, um, to big Boys. tech censorship. You, ah, yeah. you <laughs> have been a victim of Facebook purging. Um, yes. And uh, you have a, a theory about why that happened to you. I used to be on your Facebook and I never saw anything crazy, but all of a sudden one day you were gone. Um, and, you know, just Twitter, just I guess it, by the time people are seeing this, it would be like Monday night that it happened. So they'll be seeing this Wednesday. We're talking Tuesday. Um, Mike Morrison, an Orthodox Jew who had a parody account of um, AOC, the the easily. Yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like so. And very clearly marked as a parody account, because that's one of the rules. If you have a parody account, you have to mark it as parody. Well, he had it in the name and the bio, and Twitter nuked his account. And I think it was because it was so effective, and it's leading up into the 2020 election, so it's time to silence all those effective voices. And I think I think you and I would agree the same thing happened to you leading up to another election that I think is probably pretty important for our friends in the UK. Yeah. Well, look, it's no secret. Uh, I hosted Tommy Robinson in Israel. I've supported Tommy Robinson pretty much since the beginning of the EDL. I was one of the first yep. people to really look critically at who he was, what he was saying, what were the people around him doing, what, what was the EDL all about? And I established very early on that they were not far right, uh, or whatever that means today. But back then, it, it did have a meaning then. And he wasn't that. He wasn't anti-Jewish. He didn't hold any of this Zionist Rothschild conspiracy nonsense in his hands. He, in fact, back in the earliest days, he had no idea what Jews were. He just knew that Jews had never caused any problem for him in his life. You know, on, on, a, on a micro scale, he, he was not never in playground fights with gangs of, of angry Jews. It just didn't happen. Whereas the playground at his school was divided not on racial lines, not black versus white or black versus brown. Or, it was divided on Muslims and non-Muslims, kuffar and, and Muslims. So I, I, I really sussed him out very, very early. And he hasn't let me down, to be honest. Anyway, um, when he was banned from Facebook, basically because all parts of the British government demanded it, uh, my Facebook account, my main Brian John Thomas, as it was called, uh, account was deleted that day. My page, my Brian of London page lived on for a while because I'd, I had designated some friends as administrators. But then I was just in London actually last week uh, over the Easter holiday with my kids. And while I was in London, you know, um, Brian of London's page was finally just erased, just gone. Whoosh, whoosh, the history is gone. And mostly it was it, it was years of pro-Israel um, work, bit of bit of real talk about Islam, but you know mostly is Israel-related stuff. But of course, it has some pictures of Tommy, and and I'm obviously close to Tommy, so gone. Uh, and and what's what's actually happened in Britain is that the government I has told Facebook and YouTube because you know that they've hobbled his YouTube channel completely. 
Um, they've put every single video of his that he's ever done, including, you know, there's a video, there's videos of him where he's giving a wheelchair to a disabled child. Yes. This is an unlimited state. This video is so controversial that you are not allowed to comment on it, like it, share it or see it without clicking a warning that the contents might be might be upsetting to you. He's a is a, he's a man handing over a wheel, a motorized wheelchair to a child because he raised the money for it. That's how crazy the UK has become. Uh, and, you know, right now, he, the UK has gone into these insane European uh, parliamentary election, which they should never have been because Europe was supposed to be, uh, Britain was supposed to be out of the European Parliament on March the 29th. But Theresa May has messed it up. And so they have to hold these elections. And Tommy's running. And damn it, I really hope he wins. I really, I tell you, nothing. I, I may, you know, it's almost, it, it would give him no power. It would give him no reasonable power. I mean, he'll have the power to give a one-minute speech in the EU Parliament, but the the message it will send, I think, is almost Trumpian. It's it's definitely the biggest thing to happen since the Brexit vote if he can take this seat. But at the same time, talk about collusion and talk about trying to influence democracy. His page, because I was an administrator on his Facebook page over a million likes, over a million followers, huge engagement. I mean, way bigger than Corbyn, Jeremy Corbyn, the leader of the Labour Party, way bigger than the Labour Party in terms of engagement when we posted videos on that. And his page was disappeared within 24 hours of posting his expose on the BBC, Panodrama. We put that up. It was up for just under 24 hours. It got 1 million views, according to you um facebook's crazy statistics and then gone and and this is a huge this is influencing democracy he's not going to be allowed access on the bbc so social media was his method but i you know i have to say he's got his own website now tr.news we've got the telegram channel up and running which is really interesting i'm very very impressed with telegram uh, because it's uh, it's it was started by two Russians who are dissident. Putin has tried to shut Telegram down, um, so it's not Russian controlled. I think they're running it from Dubai or something. But they they really just don't care what you say. I mean, basically their terms and conditions are don't do anything illegal, uh, at, or don't say anything illegal in public. If you say it in private, it's <laughs> it, it, their, their terms and conditions are like this big. It's brilliant. So. But we'll see. But we we have we have to be the rebels. I mean, that's the point. Is yeah. it, it was too easy. We we had Facebook, and you know this, and Rebel knows this. You win on a level playing field. Your ideas, yeah. our ideas, conservative ideas, we win because the left cannot argue a thing. They have nothing to come back. So they have to infiltrate these organisations, take over with their sort of little millennial zombie armies and and just change the rules they can't win on a level playing field no and uh, you know you touched on this and i think it's a very important point for all the conspiracy theories about foreign meddling in the american election the russians were involved the russians were this you know there's a 
a Russian under everybody's couch during this last election. Uh, this is actual foreign meddling. When they nuke Tommy Robinson's um, wide-reaching ability to communicate with his potential voters, thus, you know, harming his election chances, this is foreign meddling in a in a UK election. And nobody seems to be all that concerned about it because um, all the elites, they really don't seem to like the target. So they're fine and dandy. It's, you know, it's this situational ethics when it comes to free speech. Oh, I'm all, I, I believe in free speech, except when that person says something that I don't like. And that's not really free speech. That's just acceptable speech, which is really the opposite of free speech. It's totally, people have forgotten. You know, I say this all the time. It's one of my mantras, which is that voting is the last and least important part of democracy. The speech that leads up to it, being free to talk. This is the difference between a fear society and a free society. Um, the speech, it's so important and we are completely constrained. And it's, you know, instead of it getting worse, we are closing it down. You know, you can't talk about you can't misgender someone. I mean, mm -hmm. God forbid. I I don't know how they've been saying that the new royal baby is a is a boy because it would appear to me that we should be waiting a little while for the child to decide for itself. I I don't know why we're imposing these gender normative <laughs> roles on the royal baby at such an early stage. How, how do we know it's a boy? Um, you know, really, that's that's the situation we're in. I, I'm telling a joke about this now. I'm wondering whether your channel will be demonetized because of my joke <laughs> or it was yeah. demonetized long ago. You know, we if we say anything about Trudeau or feminism <laughs> or Islam or terrorism, instant demonetization. They instantly demonetize that video. That's just how it is. Now, it hasn't stopped us from talking about those things. It's probably encouraged us to talk about those things because now yeah, we know well. people that the powers that be don't want to hear um, from us saying those things because we're speaking the truth. So um, thanks for letting us know, uh, <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> thanks for that. Um, Brian, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, um, because I've had you for over 30 minutes here, and uh, um, that's, I know that you have things that you need to do tonight. Um, I want to give you a chance to uh, let people know where they can find you on the social media platforms that you have <laughs> remaining um, and how they can support some of your work. Yeah, well, uh, I am still on Twitter. But mm -hmm. um, the, the primary one, the one that, that I've set up that I own is brianoflondon.me. It's my website. Nobody can. Well, it's hard to take it away from me. I'm not saying <laughs> nobody could, but brianoflondon.me and, and links to everything flow from that. I'm using Telegram a lot more uh, and you can find me on there as Brian of London talks, I think. But brianoflondon.me has got links to everything and i'm brian of london on twitter for as long as that lasts but as i said i'm done with facebook in fact um this is a chat for another time but just to say i am working with someone here in israel we are planning to sue and i'm not joking we're planning to sue facebook and google in australia for hundreds of billions of dollars and I'm not, I'm not joking, hundreds of billions of dollars because they did something that is illegal under Australian competition law and they don't even know it and they did it and it is very illegal and we've got a huge, huge claim of damages, uh, a class action. I'm putting that, helping put that together. But I, I actually, I just want to destroy Facebook. It's a megalomaniac. 
goal, but it's a stretch goal. It's my goal to bring down Facebook. So find me at brianoflondon.me and you'll find more information on my plans. <laughs> Brian, I absolutely cannot wait. <laughs> I can't wait to see Facebook brought to its knees in the same way that I can't wait to see Gavin McInnes take the SPLC <laughs> to oh, the exactly. cleaners. Oh, I just, I can't wait. And I think it's time that more people fight back. You know, we just, they nuke uh, these conservative accounts and everybody goes, whoa, that's the terms of service. You know, they're a private company. No. Um, this they, is Australian I, case. Let, let me Go tell ahead. you, just, I'll yeah. just say, a tease on it, because what's yeah. so funny is that what, what happened was that these companies, Google and Facebook, within weeks of each other, banned the advertising of almost anything related to the entire crypto industry. That's Bitcoin, but it's also anything you can do with the technology that underlies cryptocurrencies. They banned it. They just banned it. They said, in effect, what they said was, um, some of this is a scam. So we're just going to ban all of it while we check. And it's like saying that, you know, you get some Nigerian scam emails. So we're just going to take Nigeria off the Internet for now. That's what they did. <laughs> and that might be legal in America, but it turns out it's really not legal in a lot of other places. And Australia is one of the places that's got very strict rules. When, when two companies that, that together operate more than 80 percent of the advertising market, which they do, when they do take exactly the same action at the same time, they've got a problem because they shouldn't have done that. Now, if they'd have asked for permission in Australia, they, you know, but they didn't. And they probably have no idea that they should. You know, they just they're just Silicon Graphic, Silicon Valley companies that are arrogant. That's what I, I and they just said, OK, these are our rules. And right now, Facebook is on the verge of launching its own cryptocurrency. So something that it declared to be a scam and too dangerous to advertise on Facebook, they're about to spend billions of dollars launching. No, we're going to, we, you know, we're raising the money to bring the case. Uh, it'll be a class action case. And, and I'm really, I'm really actually quite excited by it. So you can find on brianoflondon.me. You'll, you'll see. I'll put up links to that. That is fantastic. Brian, I want to thank you for uh, being so generous with your time and coming on the show. I'm sure we'll talk again. Um, please stay safe um, yep. and <laughs> keep fighting for free speech from wherever you are, be it back in Britain or over there in Israel. Yep, yep, yep. Always do. Okay. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. I might be a little biased, but I think the work that Brian does is pretty darn effective, and I think Facebook has had to admit that too, and that's exactly why they censored him. You see, Brian's been telling the other side of this story of what's happening on the ground in Israel because Israel is on the front lines of the global jihad. And Brian's guilty of the new Orwellian wrong think of just thinking maybe, maybe Tommy Robinson has a bit of a point when it comes to Islamic rape gangs and extremism in Britain. Now, I encourage you all to take a look at Brian's work while you still can, if only for the reason that big tech doesn't want you to. Make a stand against censorship. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here in the same time, in the same place next week. And remember, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think.